Welcome to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, presented by Team Snap and hosted by veteran soccer broadcaster, Dean Linky. Uniting coaches at every level of the game around the love of the game, we are United Soccer Coaches. Now, here's our host, Dean Linky. Great show for you today. College soccer conference tournament action getting ready to go. We kick off the show with Mike Noonan now in his 10th year at Clemson. They have the number one offense in the country. They are ranked number two. I just called their 3-0 win over NC State as they won the number one seed in the always tough ACC tournament. They are loaded with big time players including Robbie Robinson who could win the Mac Herman Trophy. Phenomenal, phenomenal soccer team. Jennifer Klein now in her second year as the head coach of the Michigan women. They will take on Rutgers at Rutgers on Friday in the semifinals of the Big Ten Women's Soccer Tournament. I'll have that call. Jennifer Klein is on the program. Coaching is not always glamorous. There's the highs and there's the lows. Steve Trichu was a member of the 88 U.S. Olympic team. He was a member of the 90 U.S. World Cup team. He was on some very good Colorado Rapids team. He's been involved as a coach for a long time, last four years with the Colorado Springs switchbacks. He was unceremoniously dropped from his role as the head coach in July now he's looking for his next job. That's not easy, folks. Steve Trichu tells his story. And then we meet two more amazing members of our 30 under 30 class. Amy Dyer is the head coach of a boys soccer team in a big time conference just outside of Cincinnati. That's right. Amy Dyer coaches a boys soccer team at a big time school. You'll like her. And then we're also joined by Deb Longlinay. Down in Louisiana, she's a whole lot of fun. You'll like Deb as well. It kicks off, though, after this message from our presenting sponsor, Team Snap. Does managing your club or league feel like a second job? If so, you might need some help. With Team Snap, you can get it. Their customers save up to 15 hours each week on tasks such as communication, registration, scheduling, and more. Plus, everything you need is online, which means no more trips to the bank, no more lost checks, and no more colossal spreadsheets. Bring your club or league into the 21st century with TeamSnap. Go to TeamSnap.com to find out more. Once again, here's Dean Linky. I am Dean Linky. This is the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by TeamSnap, and we're kicking it off with Mike Noonan. He's got Clemson at number two in the country. I just saw him beat NC State three to nothing. They got the number one seed. That's right, the number one seed in the ACC men's soccer tournament. What an amazing turnaround. Tough year last year, tons of injuries. And I'm telling you, folks, we could be talking to the coach of the next national championship team. They're that good, at least what I saw. But then again, what do I know, Mike? But uh, I do know you're a great coach. you got a great team there. Thanks for being on the program. No problem, Dean. I'm happy to... Happy to be on the program, and, and thanks for uh, thanks for the call last Friday night. I enjoyed it. I mean, guys, you're so explosive. you got those three front runners all with double-digit points, goals and assists, and you've got talent behind them. Your back line is good. Nice goalkeeper. And uh, George Marks, who's from Raleigh, North Carolina, with NCFC Youth. I mean, a complete team, right, Coach? Yeah, I, you know, this team, like I said, has been coming together uh, for a couple of years and uh, put the final couple pieces together uh, this past spring. And, uh, you know, it's like anything else, though. The forwards have been in form. Uh, the midfielders have been doing the work, and the defenders have done a good job in the back. And, uh, you know, we even got a goal from Malik Mbai the other night on a corner kick. And, 
Uh, George matured really well last year, got some good experience, and this year's been the regular starter. Well, knock on wood, health has been great as well, and we kind of joked about that before the NC State game, but obviously it, the rigors of a college soccer season, staying healthy is important as well, right, Coach? That's for sure, and, and you know, I'm also very proud of the team uh, in terms of their uh, in terms of their discipline uh, on the field. Uh, I think this is the first year since I've been at Clemson that we haven't lost anybody to accumulation and suspension. Uh, I think we had one red card uh, on a second yellow, but that's the only person that's been who we've missed games for uh, in terms of accumulation or suspension. Well, that helps as you you know build some continuity and continue to roll. And it's not like you forgot how to coach. I mean, last year was just one of those seasons. I mean, just a few years ago, you were in the final of the College Cup, so you know what you're doing. You always have, no matter where you've been, New Hampshire or Brown or now in your 10th season at Clemson. But when you look about a turnaround season, this is a pretty phenomenal turnaround, Coach. Yeah, you know, you hear all the time about last to first, and uh, this is the uh, that's the that's the story of, of this year's Clemson version. Last year we were dead last in the going into the ACC tournament, uh, and uh, lost our first game at, at Notre Dame. And, and this year we're the the number one seed and uh, have won the division. So we're looking forward to the postseason and uh, you know hoping that we can continue our good form. Yeah, it feels like you're having a whole lot of fun as well. Am I right on that? Yeah, there's no question. There's a lot of smiles uh, on the team, and uh, you know everybody. And I'm talking one to thirty-two, and and everybody's enjoying playing soccer, coming to practice, going to school, doing the things that we do here at Clemson. And it's been uh, it's been a really enjoyable experience, a really enjoyable group, and uh, really good young men. And you know the deal. The landscape has changed. I mean, ironically, Clemson back in the day they had a ton of internationals, including a ton of Africans, and it kind of changed back to. U.S. and now you've got this nice mixture. You have some kids from good old South Carolina, a couple from North Carolina, then you've got some kids from Africa. You've got a kid from Sweden who you played with professionally. His dad. I mean, just a nice mixture, right? Yeah, it's great. It's a very diverse group, but at the same point, we could start on our front line three kids from the state of South Carolina and Robbie Robinson, Grayson Barber, and uh, James Brighton. Uh, you know, Kamari Smith is one of our regular starters, and he's from Nottingham, England. So, you know, and then Philip Mayaka has really tied everything together as a freshman, and he's from uh, Nairobi, Kenya. So it's, it's a fun group. And, and, and like I said, it's not just everybody from one area internationally. They're from, you know, they're from Africa, they're from Europe, they're from Central America. It's a, it's really a good, diverse group. And for me, that's what education's about. You know, we're an educational institution, and all the different backgrounds and socioeconomic backgrounds of our players um, lends it to, to a really good educational uh, and holistic experience for our team. Yeah, I like both those words, education and holistic, because that's what United Soccer Coaches is about as well, right? Educating coaches to become better coaches and make better players. And along those lines, you know, a lot of times there's a debate, you know, should you go three in the back? Should you go four, four, two? What kind of system should you go with? And I don't know this by for a fact, Mike, but I feel like with you, you look at your team, you're like, wow, I got all this great attacking talent. I've got solid pivots. I got a nice guy that connects. I've got solid back line. Please tell me you built this based on your personnel, not on a particular system that you said go play this system. Well, again, Dean, it's uh, that's the art of coaching, isn't it? And, and it's it's blending both uh, because I think we we did look at, at at the team and the talent that we had coming in, and but we also looked and 
one of the things that we decided after we had had the uh, the down year last year is that we needed more of an identity and, and maybe a little bit more structure where the players understood exactly uh, what their role was. So, so the system also is important. But for sure, you know, the, the systems only work if the talent works to the system, and we've certainly been able to do that this year. Well, in that first goal, we came on the air talking about this three-headed monster. You know, we're not too original. <laughs> but um, their numbers are amazing, and all three of them, I mean, you got the double assist going, which I love about Kali Tucker. I love that they recognize that extra pass. And all three of your forwards combined for that first goal. I felt like that epitomized the system that you're playing, Coach. Yeah, I think that that was one of the, I mean, at any level, that was one of the more clinical um, counterattack uh, you know, transition goals that you're ever going to see. And, you know, Mayaka started to uh, tackle the ball at the top of the box, outletted it to Kamarni, who beat the first defender, and then played the ball to Robbie. Uh, and Robbie's just a deft passer. I mean, I know he's got 15 goals, but he's got nine assists as well. And Kamarni just shot through the back of their line. And then Robbie played him the ball, and most players in, in that position would shoot the ball. And Kamari, you know, definitely squared it to Grayson, who had an open goal and, uh, and a pretty easy finish. You know, you've got two things you're going, well, three things. You're looking for an ACC tournament. You're looking for the national championship. And the other one I want to throw in there is the Mac Herman Trophy as well, because you probably got a ton of candidates. But, I mean, i got to believe Mr. Robinson, because at the end of the day, most people look at numbers, right? You know how it works, Coach. Even Andrew Gutman, when he won it last year, he doesn't win it without double-digit goals from that left back position, but Mr. Robinson's got to be in the running, if not the front runner, for the Mac Herman Trophy, right? Yeah, and, and like I said, I'm really proud of, of Robbie. He had a lot of challenges last year with injuries and, and uh, you know, in and out of, of the team and training and, and up and downs, and he's stuck with it, and he's, you know, he's proven to me he's the best player in college soccer this year. Uh, you know, I've watched a lot of games of, uh, from coast to coast, uh, scouting a lot, and there's there's nobody who's had. Yeah, I, I think that Robbie mirrors what we've done as a team. You know, last year he was he was in last place because he only scored a couple goals at the end of the year. But this year he's gone to first place, and I think uh, for me he's got to be one of the leading candidates for her. Here with Michael Noonan, the head coach for the Clemson Tigers, number two in the country, only one lonely loss on the season as the number one seed in the ACC tournament. Kind enough to join us for a few minutes as he's scouting for the ACC tournament. And, Coach, going back to that run just a few years ago to the College Cup when Stanford uh, was on the way to winning three in a row, what will you take from that run as you start to think about approaching another run this year, Coach? Well, to be honest with you, the experience is a great thing uh, in, in coaching and in, and in sport. But one of the best things about this team is that they've been able to stay really present with, with where they are and what the next game is. So we're not really looking at the NCAA tournament right now. We're looking at what we need to do on Sunday and uh, waiting to find out who our opposition is going to be. And then we're going we're gonna to worry about Sunday. If we were lucky enough to get the College Cup further on down the line, which is more than a month away, we'll worry about that at that point, Dean. But there's no doubt that, you know, Stanford showed winning three in a row. The great Virginia teams back when Bruce was coaching them. There is, and, and Maryland, of course, and Sasha winning again last year. There is something to be said for experience when you get to that point. Yeah, well said. I, I like the way your team's shaping up with that experience and as we continue to knock on wood with the health as well. Well, as you approach the ACC tournament, it's like 
the regular season, every game feels like an NCAA tournament game anyway, right? So same approach, right? You know, no matter who you play, there's no easy outs, right, Coach? No question about it. And, you know, I've said this since I came to the ACC uh, 10 years ago, that it may be harder to win the ACC tournament than it is to win the national tournament, uh, just because every team top to bottom are, you know, their top 30, 35 RPI team that you're going to play. And you don't do that in the NCAA tournament where every single game, two games a week, uh, is is playing against that level of competition. So it's a very, very difficult tournament to win, and it's a, it's a great trophy if you're able to get it. You've heard a lot of debate about the 21st century motto. You even mentioned some coaches that have really been pushing it. And, again, I know the focus is on the ACC tournament, but since we have you, what's your take on – going to a full calendar year for soccer, for college soccer? There's no question it revolutionizes the game in this country. And, you know, I've been very active and I've been very happy and proud of our administration here at Clemson to be one of the leaders in uh, getting the ACC to sponsor the the legislation. And, you know, I I think that, again, I've heard Sasha say this, and, and, and I've said it many times that we could and should have one of the best under-23 leagues in the world. And I think that if we get to this model, um, a lot of the debate about development and how to develop and where to develop players will cease because from, again, the holistic standpoint in terms of the software of a player all the way through to the hardware, if we're able to extend the season over nine months, nobody has better facilities, better coaches, and better prepared to be able to do that than, than what we have here in college. And then they get the benefit of getting a college degree. So, you know, like me, when I was playing after college professionally, my career ended after two and a half years with a torn uh, torn ACL and, and PCL. And that, thankfully, I had a college degree I could uh, I could fall back on. You know, hey, coming up uh, a little bit later after we talk to Jennifer Klein, who's done a great job at Michigan in just two seasons as she gets her second go around. Steve Trichu who I'm sure you'll know that name. He was a member of the 88 Olympic team. He was on the 90 World Cup team. He was coaching professionally in Colorado Springs, and he's been let go, and he was kind enough and even courageous enough to come on and talk about, hey, coaching's not always glamorous. You can be rolling along like, for instance, for instance you were doing a couple of years ago, then have a rough year, and, and then luckily you guys are right back on top. But sometimes coaches get let go. Mike, just talk a little bit about that because it's not an easy business, is it? No, it's not. One, even when you're winning, it's probably one of the loneliest jobs you can have because, you know, we won the game on Friday night, and by the time we got back to Clemson, I was already focused on, you know, our ACC tournament and and those types of things. And, you know, it it, it can be very lonely. It can also – there's a lot of self-reflection that you have to look at when you're in a position either not having a good year or you've been been, uh, unfortunately let go. And and so it's really, really hard. But when you take a – a step back and you start asking yourself the real hard questions and you're looking in the mirror, usually the answers are there and you can become better. It's just like a loss for a team, right? And and when you lose as a team, you usually learn more than you do when you win. So I think that, you know, I know Steve uh, not real well as a colleague and uh, one of our former players, Wilde Harris, took over for him and was his assistant out there in Colorado. And I was sorry to see him get let go, but I'm sure his next job he'll, he'll be a better coach as a result of it. Well, that's, that's a great point, and certainly, um, as you said, uh, when you're winning games, it can be lonely, but it's, it's less lonely, right? It's certainly been fun winning all the games uh, you've won this year as well. Last thing I do want to say to you, Mike, I appreciate you not giving me too hard a time when my son uh, came down to Clemson in that uh, other team uh, school in South Carolina. 
Carolina, and he, he chose that other one, and he didn't give me a hard time about that, so I appreciate that, Coach. <laughs> well, it's not a problem, Dee. And, you know, I, I have some very good friends down there in, uh, in Columbia. We just know that uh, right now in, in, the, uh, in, in the sporting world, uh, Clemson's on top. <laughs> Enough said. Drop the mic. Mike Noonan, he's got a great team, number two in the country, number one seed in the ACC tournament. Good luck on every step, ACC tournament and NCAA tournament, and thanks for kicking off the podcast, Coach. Great visiting uh, again with you, Dean, and, and thanks again for all you do in the game. Registration is now open for the 2020 United Soccer Coaches Convention in Baltimore. Make your plans to join us January 15th through the 19th for five days of coaching education, networking, meal and social functions, award presentations, and more. Register before December 11th to secure the best rate. Visit unitedsoccercoachesconvention.org to learn more. The United Soccer Coaches Convention, your event for all things coaching. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, where our focus for the entire show is on college soccer, talking about teams that could make some noise, both in their conference tournaments and also in the NCAA tournament. We're very pleased to be joined by a second-year coach for the University of Michigan women's soccer team. They will play on Friday on the Big Ten Network against the host, ironically, Rutgers, and a rematch of a game that was just held on October 24th, a one nothing game. And Jennifer Klein joins me now. Coach Klein, thanks for being with us. No, thank you so much for having me. Really looking forward to it. Yeah, you got a nice record coming in, 13-4-1, and impressive win over Maryland to advance to the semifinals of the Big Ten Tournament. Now in your second season, you're very much, I hope you don't mind, I feel like I can call you a West Coast girl. You went to Arizona you were at USC before coming to Michigan. Let's first talk about uh, the change in climate. How are you getting used to the weather in Michigan compared to where you went to college and where you were at USC? Everyone has told me I did it backwards. You're supposed to go Midwest to the West, um, but I've decided to to change it up. But uh, it's been a great transition, really enjoying um, just the Midwest, uh, Ann Arbor specifically, and uh, the University of Michigan. It's been a, a great change. I've... Um, I don't know if I'm quite used to the weather, but I got myself a good coach and uh, in, uh, understanding the importance of indoor facilities. But, um, no, it's been great. Well, let's stick with facilities, and we'll get back to this uh, West Coast move because Michigan facilities, if you heard me on TV, no matter what sport it is, the facilities for every Olympic sport, let alone what Jim Harborough's got, and, of course, the basketball team are really world-class, right, Coach? Yeah, it's unbelievable with uh, just the investment that the university has made uh, for all sports here at Michigan, um, and I think you can see it visibly when you come to the um, Sports Performance Center, to the you know soccer stadium, uh, to field hockey. Um, I mean, they make a huge investment, and you can see it visibly in the facilities. Now, when you start thinking about the Big Ten tournament and where you are right now, 13-4-1, have you already done the math and the, the magical wisdom of what it takes to get in the NCAA tournament? I'd like to think you guys are a lock, but I don't know everything, Coach. What are you, what's your take on how many Big Ten teams will get in, Jen? You know, definitely the four seeded teams going into the tournament, I think, have a, have a good resume. I think Iowa has done some good, good stuff in the non-conference. Um, so, I mean, it would be great to get five of us, but I think for us, we're, you know, we're just focusing one game at a time. And, you know, obviously if you want to make it a for sure thing, uh, getting the automatic bid by winning the conference tournament would make it the easiest. And then you're not relying on um, people picking you based off of your, you know, body of work. But I've been really happy with what the group has done, um, and I'm hoping that uh, we can continue it uh 
through this weekend and, and into uh, postseason with NCAAs. Your team's got some nice balance, too, right? You've got uh, four or five players with four goals or more. That always helps, right? Yeah, it's um, it's been uh, scoring goals by committee. I mean, uh, came into the season and um, had two players that we didn't anticipate being big-time goal scorers as far as uh, Meredith Hawkinson and Raleigh Lofman, but uh, they've done a great job, and then you still have uh, returning juniors, uh, Sarah Stratagakis, and I also think Nikki Hernandez has been able to contribute. So it just makes it, um, you know, a little bit easier when you have multiple players on your team that are capable of putting the ball in the back of the net. All right, let's get to know you a little bit better. Tell us so where you grew up before you went to Arizona and then why you picked Arizona, Jennifer Klein. Yeah, I went. I grew up in uh, a town north of Phoenix, uh, Prescott, Arizona. Um, born and raised there. Um Played my club down in Phoenix, um, and then originally thought I wanted to get as far away from home as possible when I was looking at the college search, and then went on an official visit down to the University of Arizona and fell in love with it. Um, just thought it was going to be a great opportunity academically and athletically, and really happy with the decision I made. Had a great four years, and um, kick-started my, uh, my career in coaching there, so a uh, very special place. Yeah, you were a two-time team captain, played in 78 games. You played in midfield and outside back. She's also a member of the Arizona Heat Wave in the semi-professional W League. But obviously, as a two-time captain, Jennifer Klein, you know where I'm going with this. Usually captains make great leaders, often great coaches. When did you know that's what you wanted to do? Uh, I knew I wanted to get into coaching about junior year of – end of junior year of college. And so um, – com- Completed my degree in biology, which, you know, I'm really using that, but I uh, <laughs> knew I wanted to get into coaching, um, and so as soon as I graduated, stayed on as a volunteer assistant at the University of Arizona, got into club, got into my um, coaching education courses, and uh, just went from there. You also spent time with U.S. Soccer's U19 Women's National Team. Talk about how you got hooked up with U.S. Soccer. Um, you know, it was kind of right place at the right time. Moved to LA uh, to work with Kidani um, down at USC, and um, got in with one of the market training centers, and uh, you know, just continued to work through that. And then uh, Yika uh, invited me to come in and help out with the camp, and so it just uh, right place, right time. You know, got to work with some some people within the program and got got an opportunity and it was it was awesome just to get in see what it's like experience the international game and get to work with coaches and players of that caliber all right we'll get to kadani in a second because i love kadani that guy is mr cool we've had him on the program yes he is yeah he is he totally is but you also spent time at unlb and then a lot of time in the pac-12 with your alma mater and then also in pullman with washington state before spending time with the aforementioned Kadani, if you can, compare Pac-12 soccer to Big Ten soccer. What's your take on that, Coach? Yeah, I mean, two very fantastic leagues and both challenges um, in different areas. I mean, the the Pac-12, um, it's, you know, top to bottom, every team is, is difficult. Same thing within the Big Ten. I think at times in my experiences that in the Pac-12, you got the, the top that really separates itself pretty early. Um, and then also just the – the, the caliber of players when um, you're dealing more with, you know, players when you're scouting. I would say in the Big Ten, um, every team, it's so close. I mean, it came down again to the very final game, played on a Wednesday to determine um, our Big Ten tournament. And so 
I just think uh, it's very, very close to a lot of just not a lot of separation throughout the season. Um, and I think a lot of teams play very differently in the Big Ten, a lot of different type of tactical situations that you're trying to prep for. Um, so both very good leagues, um, good players, good coaches, uh, both challenging, um, but little little nuances here and there that make it, that make it uh, slightly different. Okay, so you spend those four years with Kidani, the last three as the associate head coach, tremendous success as Southern Cal makes it to the College Cup, and now they've continued to, to do solid work out there. But uh, what did you learn the most from Kidani during your four years with him? I think management of a program, he, he does a fantastic job not only managing uh, the players um, and the coaches directly within the program, but just his, his management of, of a collective staff from strength and conditioning to nutrition um, to sports information and, and just getting everybody bought in on board, um, believing in the same vision and messaging. Um, and the guy's just, he, he's unbelievable as far as his energy, his enthusiasm, um, his kind of just coolness. Uh, he doesn't get rattled and stays calm through every situation. Um, and so just, I mean, learned a ton from him from that standpoint. And then also just tactically uh, putting together teams that have the ability to make tactical adjustments on the fly and at halftime and just really valued uh, the opportunity to work with him. Okay, so you're rolling along. Obviously, when you have success, people start looking around saying, hmm, they've got a good staff over there. I might be interested in seeing if she wants to be a head coach again. Talk about that process on deciding, yep, I'm ready now. And did you turn down some jobs before Michigan happened? Like, fill in all the blanks on that if you can, Jennifer. Yeah, I mean, I, I had, uh, in my time at USC, had some um, schools that reached out. And um, not that they were, you know, that just never piqued my interest to leave uh, the situation that I was in. I, I loved my, my time at USC and with Kidani and Jason there, and I knew that it would take uh, a pretty special place that would uh, make me want to leave uh, leave them and, and leave USC. Um, but I was fortunate. I attended a um, week coaches uh, coaching summit, and uh, Michigan softball head coach Carol Hutchins was the keynote speaker. And the way that she spoke about Michigan and the tradition um, and the success that all of their sports have had, uh, I'd marked it down as a, as a school that would be a school I would look at if it if it did ever become you know available to to apply. And a couple months later, the position opened up and and put my name in. So um, just was it the right place? Got to hear a, a legend of a coach uh, talk about the greatness of Michigan and and knew that if. It would be a place I, I would like to work at. And you know what? She wasn't kidding, right? Like, I, yeah. I'm from Ohio, yeah, originally, but to be in Ann Arbor, then be around the Michigan coaches and the way they carry themselves and the way the university is set up, she was 100% right, right? Yeah, it was as soon as you walked on campus and you not only just talked to the uh, people within the athletic department, but people on main campus um, in and around in Ann Arbor, um, everything that she said in that uh, presentation was spot on correct and you get here and two years in um, I still have the same uh, feel about it when I heard her talk and, and now working here and it, it, it's a great it's a great institution great athletic department very fortunate to, to be a part of it if you listen to this program you know I'm about the two M's memories and mentors so let's start with memories what's your greatest memory so far when you think back at your playing days and your greatest memory as a coach so far Jennifer Klein um, I would honestly say greatest memory as a player. Um, 
I really think is, is what we were able to do. I, I went in as a freshman at the University of Arizona, and we were the bottom of then the Pac-10. Um, and when I left as a senior, we were co-Pac-10 champions my junior year, and in my senior year we made it back or made the team get to the Sweet 16. We ended up losing to a very, very good Portland at the time. But I think just looking back and what we were able to do um, in the four years at the University of Arizona, I think was very special. Um, as far as special moments here uh, as a coach, I would definitely say winning a, a national championship uh, in 2016 with, with USC. And I think right now, you know, just being here at Michigan and looking what this team has been able to do, um, you know, last year to this year, I think is pretty special. And so I don't know if there's a, a specific moment here at Michigan, but just overall in my time, it it seems like uh, the group is really gelling and, and putting Michigan in a place uh, of success, not only within the conference, but uh, also within a national uh, a level. So just excited and, and happy about it all. The other M mentors, you already mentioned Kadani, and, and you might want to mention again, but who are some key mentors in your life so far, Jennifer? Yeah, I would definitely say Kidani. I think another mentor, my very first boss that, that I had in, in coaching was Kat Mertz. She uh, was the head coach at UNLV and really gave me my first official job um, in the college in the college uh, setting. And um, she's just been unbelievable, allowed for me to do a lot uh, when I worked with her and has always been somebody that uh, has been there for me throughout my career. So I definitely would say the two of those have, have made a very big impact on the the coach that I am today, um, definitely the coaches that I had as, as a youth, as a youth player, um, you know, have little bits here and there along my, my playing days and, and coaching days. Uh, I've taken a little bit from everybody that I've gotten to work with. You've heard me talk a lot, even on Big Ten Network games, about how great it is to be now involved in women's soccer, the women winning another World Cup, the NWSL with the incredible level of talent, the great attendances, college soccer for women's soccer. Attendances seem to be doing well. It's really just a great time to be in women's soccer, right, Coach? Yeah, it's unbelievable. I, I just think that the continued growth and uh, evolution of our sport, not only within you know college athletics, but when you look um, – from the youth standpoint and even internationally, I think everybody is, is excited about it um, and wants to continue to grow and, and keep uh, soccer within the U.S. relevant um, on, a, on a world level, and so there's a lot of great things happening. We're here with Jennifer Klein, head coach of the Michigan Wolverines. They take on Rutgers. It'll be on the Big Ten Network on Friday. We hope you tune in there as well. And I guess the last thing, Jennifer, what does it take to win the Big Ten tournament? What's got to go right for your Michigan Wolverines? I think, you know, we got to show up and just continue to play our game and go out with, with energy um, and just keep one game at a time. And, and you hope that uh, the stuff out of your control just falls the way that, that you like it. So just looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a great uh, great game against Rutgers, our first matchup against them regular season. It was a it was a great game, so um, I think the fans in, uh, should expect the same, and then we'll see what happens. Congratulations on all your success in short order at Michigan as the head coach of the Michigan women's soccer team. Jennifer Klein, thanks for being on the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Okay, rolling along, Mike Noonan, number two in the country at Clemson. Jennifer Klein in her second season at Michigan has the Wolverines on the map, very much going to be in the NCAA tournament. Who knows? They could win the Big Ten tournament this weekend 
in Rutgers. I hope you watch on the Big Ten Network. Coaching, as you know, and uh, this show is for the members of United Soccer Coaches and anybody else who wants to listen in on soccer, it can be glamorous at times, but also can be rough. Steve Trichu was a member of the 1988 U.S. Olympic team. He was a member of the 1990 U.S. World Cup team. He played for several years in Major League Soccer, went to the MLS Cup in the second season, 1997. He has been the coach for the last four years with the Colorado Springs switchbacks in the USL championship level, but he was unceremoniously dumped in July and now he's looking for a job and he's kind enough and I even say courageous enough to come on and talk about the rigors of dealing with being let go and trying to plan your next move. Steve Trichu, a name that should be familiar and he's looking for his next job. He'll share his story when we return to the United Soccer Coaches podcast. Continue to learn and build your coaching resume by attending one of United Soccer Coaches' Winter Advanced Diplomas January 6th through the 10th in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. United Soccer Coaches is conducting five advanced diplomas this January. The National, Advanced National, Premier, Advanced National Goalkeeping, and National Youth Diplomas. Go to unitedsoccercoaches.org slash education to learn more about these courses and get registered today. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Team Snap. I hope you enjoyed my conversations with some top-level college coaches. I'm really excited about this interview, folks, because as you all know, particularly all the members of United Soccer Coaches, there are great moments, there are tough moments, there are moments where you have to sit back and say, hmm, what do I do in the coaching world? And I'm also pleased because this guy's one of my favorites, Steve Trichu. If you know U.S. soccer at all, you know he was a member of the 1990 U.S. World Cup team. He's got tons of caps. He was a great player in MLS, led the Colorado Rapids to the MLS Cup. He also spent some time with Tampa Bay. He was an assistant with SIUE before getting back in the pro game as a coach, assistant coach for the Colorado Rapids from 2002 to 2006. And for the last four years, he was the USL head coach for the Colorado Springs Switchbacks but he was let go before the season was over. You're talking about a guy who was a great player, great leader, and now he's trying to figure out what his next move is, and he's kind enough to join me to talk about it. Steve Trichu is with me. Steve, thanks for being on the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. Yeah, thanks, Dean. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Steve, let's first talk about your playing days, and then we'll talk about your current situation. But when you look back on your playing days, i got to believe some pretty big smiles for you, you know, growing up in Granite City, Illinois, and SIUE to end up playing in a World Cup. No one can ever take that away from you, right, Steve? No, it was, I mean, if you look back on my career, I mean, I, I have no, no, you know, I can't say anything bad about it. It was a great career. Um, you know, it was one of those things that, uh, you know, no one ever thought that I could get to the point where I was. I mean, you know, I started, um, obviously at SAU, I got a lot of recognition there. Um, and then, um, when they started forming the, well, at the time it was the Olympic team, like back in end of 1986, 1987. That's when I was a senior and at SIU. Um, and we went to a few camps, you know, and then went, went on a few trips and, um, things just kind of, just kind of snowballed from there. And I made, I was on the Olympic team in 1988. And then, you know, obviously I made the, the World Cup team in 1990 and some other things in between there. And so, um, no, if I look back on it, playing 14 years, you know, professionally, it was it was what I always wanted to do, and I can't complain at all. 
Well, and one of those great runs then was when Major League Soccer got going. That first year was a debacle in Colorado. <laughs> we were the worst team ever, but we went from worst to almost first. I mean, being part of that turnaround, Steve, and you played pretty much every minute during that, that turnaround. What do you remember about being at the bottom and then just getting so close to winning it all? Yeah, if you look back at 1996 when, when the, the league started forming, um, and, and I mean, you remember, but, you know, we, we had a good start to the year, um, and then too many injuries, you know, not enough depth on the team, um, and it just kind of, it just kind of went straight down. But then, um, you know, the, the coach Bobby Houghton at the time, you know, resigned, fired, whatever you want to call it back then. Um, and then they brought in Mooch Myernick, which, which, you know, Mooch, that was really his first time coaching professional. Um, we, you know, we did, we struggled at the beginning, but then we started getting a little uh, roll toward, towards the middle season, um, and started figuring things out at the end. Um, we, we had a roll in the, you know, a run in the playoffs, um, first beating Kansas City, which they were the number one seed in, 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 in our division, and then going and, and beating Dallas two games, and then, you know, that, that put us in the final against DC, and no one, same thing, no one ever thought we were going to be there, but, you know, all credit to Mooch, all credit to the guys on that team that we just turned it around. Um, it wasn't the prettiest type of uh, soccer plays, but it was it was effective, and um, we got a lot done that year. Well, and one of those was a key trade as well with your teammate on the 90 World Cup team, bringing Peter Vermes in, and you and Vermes, kind of that great tandem back there. You probably don't get enough credit for some of the recognition he got back there as a defender, but that was a big move, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, we, we Mooch tried a, a bunch of different things, you know, because we still, uh, Marcelo Babal was still there, and Trying to trying to figure out how we can how we can play and it turned around that you know we put Pete came back there in the in the defense with me and things kind of turned around and so but there were you know there are a lot of guys on that team I mean Paul Bravo had a fantastic year that year Chris Henderson had a great year um, and uh, we had David Patino one of you know one of the few Mexicans um, that, that at the time came into the league and he was he was a big part of that team so um, yeah, it was but it was a whole team effort there was really no one that stood out really that much on that team. Uh, we just we just put our heads down and and put and got results that year. If I remember, we had Marcus Hahnemann in goal too, though, right? That oh yeah, hurt. The, the big meathead. Yeah, he was there. So <laughs> no, but he he was he was a big part of that team too. I mean, so uh, like I said, it was it, it was a good team effort, um, and and you know we got to the final and and made it a game in the final, lost two one, but uh, um, it was it was one of those that everything just kind of went right towards that end of the season to get us into that final. Yeah, I still claim that if it was at a neutral set, we'd probably win that game as we had to play that in front of a packed house at RFK against DC United and Bruce Arena as they started MLS with such great success. I remember Adrian Paz, who also was another great player on the team, scoring that goal. But obviously the move to Colorado allowed you to establish some roots in Colorado. You you like it there. You get in with the Rapids, and this Colorado Springs job opens up. And you had some good years there, right, Steve? Oh yeah, I mean, you know, the, those first two years, we we were one of the top teams. I mean, we made the playoffs um, um, both of those years, and then, you know, if anyone's really familiar with the USL, uh, well, it's the championship now. That third year of the league, so that was 2017. Um, teams started wanting to win, and you know, they're they're putting a lot more resources into the into the into the player budgets into the into into everything trying to make it a little bit more professional and we and in springs kind of it's a small market and so we had to it we had to watch everything and we never really changed that and that kind of hurt us but we were competitive you know every year um and 
Yeah, I guess it came to my demise. I, you know, I said it in an article. I said, listen, it's not, it's up to them that they want to make a change. Um, you know, they were, they were, they were saying they supported me. Um, they understood what was going on here. You know, and then we also had the affiliation with the Rapids, which I thought was going to be, you know, a big turnaround for us. And it just, it just, it just wasn't working. And so, you know, that's what happens. Uh, so, um, I'm, you know, on the market now looking for my next job. Yeah, I understand that. That's part of the reason why I was so grateful for you uh, wanting to share your story because you have had such a great career. People know the name Steve Trichoux, and you were grinding it out, getting it done. You just barely missed the playoffs last year, and then you get let go at a really tough time, Steve. So the thing is, like, yeah, perhaps you get paid to the end of the year, but, I mean, being a coach, sometimes, yeah, there's some glamour there, but sometimes, like right now, the situation you're in, it's tough, right? Well, yeah, it's been tough. I was, I was, you know, basically July first. I was, I was let go um, unceremoniously, also. <laughs> but um, you know, because it kind of came out of the blue. Uh, you know, like I said, they 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 said they supported me, and um, in the end, it just didn't work. But yeah, it's it's been tough because you know you you you're I'm, I'm I was let go right in July. You know, the college season. There's really everybody's got their coaches basically at that time. Um, the, the both leagues, USL, MLS, really aren't looking for anyone at that, at that point. So it's, it's been a little bit of a, it, it's been rough. Um, you know, I, it was actually kind of good to take a little bit of a break. Um, cause I, I was at this job for basically five and a half years straight, really not, no, take, not taking any breaks. Um, cause you know, the off season is finding new players. Then you're in the season and, and it's just constant. But it was it was good to take a break and kind of sit back and reflect a little bit on on what I, I what I thought I did well and what I thought I need to improve on. And that was actually that was actually good. But now <laughs> it's it's kind of getting frustrating at this point. You know, my agent's been looking um, throughout the USL, the championship USL one um, to the MLS through my contract in the MLS. So. And it's just right now there's just nothing going on. Uh, teams are, I guess, preparing for next season and they're figuring things out. So I'm, I'm hoping to get some interviews coming up, uh, but that's not promised. So it's just, uh, like I said, it's frustrating. It's, it's, uh, you know, it's not a good time of the year right now for me. When you do that self evaluation and you give yourself grades, what things do you feel like you did well, and what things will you improve on next go around, Steve? Yeah, that was that was part of because um, I finished my pro license last December, and that was that was one of the things that I, you know, I learned throughout throughout uh, that course. That it's a year long course, and um, you know, sitting there and trying to reflect on things. Um, so I did. I sat down, and um, a lot of the things I thought, you know, it turned out well. And, and like I said, for a small market team, everything everything that I try to do, I try to do best for the players, whether that's. You know, trying to make the, the the professional environment and training better, um, trying to you know have our travel better, having having training better, and so all those things I thought I did well, and then that was one of the things in the, in my license that my instructor thought that I was really doing well. Um, I, I had to you know delegate a little bit more, and I thought in the end um, it, that that kind of hurt me a little bit because um, I. I let go of what the things I was doing well, whether that was trying to find, you know, international players or players for the team, um, you know, doing my analysis for the games, preparing, and, and then, you know, getting getting ready for the next game. And I delegated that a little bit, I think, too much to uh, 
to to my assistants and things. And so, um, looking back on it, I, I would probably have to be more hands-on, which that takes more time. But I thought, you know, those first the, the years that I was doing this job, I thought that's what I was doing well. As you assess right now, knowing that uh, USL season's coming to an end and MLS season is coming to an end, perhaps the the kind of shade right now and the fact that there's there is a little bit of frustration. Perhaps that will change though, right? Because there's going to be some shuffling when both those seasons come to an end here pretty quick. Yeah, there already are. There 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 are some openings out there. You know, in 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 the uh, in the championship, OKC is open right now. San Antonio is open right now. And I'm hoping to maybe, you know, hopefully get a shot at, at those. And then if you look at the USL1 league, um, you know, they started small this year, but there are, there are a few expansion teams coming in. There are a few openings there. Richmond's open, uh, Chattanooga's open there. And so it's, it's really just getting my shot to, you know, to, to, to talk to the people that are doing the hiring that, uh, to kind of sell myself. And, um, you know, I just, it, it, as soon as I know that I get something there, then I, I will, I will prepare for that interview and, you know, see what I can, see how I can help that program get better to, to where it should be, I guess. One of the things that uh, will probably be asked of you, as you know, is uh, who are your mentors? You already mentioned the late, great Mooch Meiernik is somebody yeah. that uh, was a spark for you as a player. Who are some guys that uh, you would consider your mentors or maybe got you excited about being a coach or maybe even guys that still help you as a coach? Yeah, for sure. I mean, that was, that was actually that was one of the, our assignments uh, in the pro license, and then Mooch was on one of mine. And I mean, I look at Bob Gansler. You know, I've learned a lot from Bob Gansler being my national team coach um, back in the day, and uh, trying you know trying to pick his, his brain a little bit. And then Lothar Osiander also. He was the Olympic team coach in 1988, also an MLS coach. And so a lot of those guys, I've, I've taken a lot from. Them, but I've, I've taken a lot from. Um, cause, you know, way back when, when I was, when I was playing those 14 years, I had a lot of coaches because that's the way, that's the way soccer was in the States or, you know, the, the, the couple of years that I had went over to, to Europe. You know, trying to take those, a few of those things from there, but, you know, I, I would say Bob Ganser was probably my most, uh, influential, uh, person that I learned a lot from. Um, and cause, uh, you know, the, when we were qualifying in 80, 89 and for 90, you know, we were all young. We didn't have a whole lot to do. So we, he had to teach us the game. He had to teach us the international game. So I, I learned a lot from that, um, how to be, a, you know, how to be a teacher and how, how to teach these guys the game. And so I think it's, it's worked well for me. And, um, but I, I know there's a lot that I still need to improve on. Um, and I hope I get a chance to, to, to show that. What about the notion, Steve Trichu, of taking a job as an assistant coach, maybe at an MLS level, not the USL level, since you're already a head coach there, taking that job and helping where you can, sitting back, listening, you know, waiting for another opportunity down the road? Have you considered that route as well? <laughs> I've considered, yeah. No, I'm I'm working on that also. You know, like I said, a lot of, a lot of those assistant coaches are are are, are guys that are. The head coaches, you got to know them, and it's because they want someone that that uh, you know they're comfortable with that they can trust. And so I I've went that that, that route. Uh, you know, I'm 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 looking at maybe some possible academy academy work because I have worked in the academies. So yeah, it's it's, it's right now. It's just a matter of, of finding that right thing. I, I want I'm looking for something with that has ambition. Um, I thought you know I thought the club here just didn't have the ambition to get to that next level. And so that's one of the things that I am I'm, I'm looking at for that next club. That who has the ambition to get to that next level to to make it get, to make it a top team? So 
Um, yeah, it's, it's a process right now, but um, hopefully, you know, between myself and my agent that we can find something soon here. Mentally and physically, you're always ready. In fact, I remember uh, one story. I don't know if you remember this or not, but uh, after the 90 World Cup, they hired Bora, and they brought you in for a camp, and you didn't feel like the practices were hard enough, so you went out <laughs> for a long run, because I know you also used to run marathons or close to them as well, because mm-hmm. you're one of those guys that was always physically ready. Um, I love that story. You remember that when you went out for oh. a run, and Bora's like, what are you doing? <laughs> Oh yeah, they. No, I just didn't feel like those trainings back then. You know, I mean, because Boro, like I said, Boro at the time was taking over with young guys and trying to change the whole thing. There, um, a lot of it was two hours on the field and just kind of standing around and explaining things. And so I just, I just didn't feel like I was getting the physical part of it. So I had to do something else. But yeah, I've, I've tried to, you know, I keep myself fit. And um, believe me, right now I have a lot of time to do that. <laughs> So um, it's, it's one of those things I, I have, you know, I've kept doing. And um, but I've like I've I've always lived lived that life, and um, uh, that's that's not going to change for me. But uh, yeah, the, the mental part of it right now is re- it's really kind of getting to me, you know. And so uh, those, those, that's one of the things that I've got to uh, you know get control of, and um, and and, and kind of hopefully get that frustration off because hopefully there will be something soon that comes up. Well, yeah, you answered my question. That's what I was getting to. Like, how, how do you handle? Bad days, Steve. How do you keep your mind right? Well, I've been. Well, that's one of the things. Like I said, I did have to take a little bit of a break, and um, but really, after two weeks, I was ready to get going again. But what I've I've, I've done is I've I've and I haven't. I wasn't able to do this when I was when I was coaching. I I, I really sat down and and studied some of the some of the teams and the way they play. Um, you know, they're 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 attacking. Um, bringing the ball to the back is a big thing right now, you know, and their defensive side. And I've been, I've been, um, you know, ESPN Plus is a big thing because there's there's soccer on 24/7, so I can sit and, and you know analyze games um, and daily. And I've taken a lot of that, and hopefully that's what I'm, I can take into my next job. You know, I watch I watch a lot of European, I watch, watch a lot of IX because um, the way they play is is kind of the way I want to play. And so. Uh, you know, just studying that and trying to, trying to take some small things out of there that I, I could imp- implement into uh, my next job here, and um, that's that's been good, and that's that's what's really keeping me going these these days. Uh, you know, I try and do that daily, um, try and, and and stay in tune with what's going on. Um, and it's good these days. You can watch twenty soccer twenty four seven these days. Yeah, well, that also includes college soccer because we talked a lot about USL, MLS. We also talked about maybe being an assistant. You on your own mentioned academy. What about the notion of coaching college soccer, Steve Trichu? Yeah, I've, I've I've looked into that in the past actually, and um, it, it's it's kind of frustrating on that part because you know I do put my I put my uh, my uh, resume into some of these cl- uh, sorry schools back. I mean, this is probably 10 years ago, but they were like, well, you have an experience in college. And so, you know, it, it, that's kind of, it's kind of frustrating there because, um, you know, I, I do have a lot of experience coaching, obviously not in college, but then you surround yourself with people that are experienced in, in, in that part of the game. But, uh, yeah, we'll see. I mean, that's, that's, you know, that's, that's not going to happen right now because all the teams are, they're still playing right now. So if it comes to it, possibly, but I think my, for, for what I do, I need to, I need to be in the pro game or into the academy part of it, where I can teach the players. Um, but you know, I, I'm never going to say no to college, and so we'll have to just see. Okay, I guess the final question then sounds like at this point you're still a very young man in this profession. It doesn't necessarily matter about uh, where; it's just a, a club that has ambition. You're willing to go anywhere, right? Oh yeah, I have to relocate. Um, 
Um, my, you know, my, my wife, uh, she, she has got a, she's got a great job here. So <laughs> we're going to cross that bridge when it comes. But, uh, yeah, there's really in the, in Colorado, there's not a whole lot going on right now. And in, in the professional, it's either here or the Rapids and kind of like I alluded to earlier, the Rapids, uh, you know, we had the affiliation with them, so I don't see anything happening there. So, yeah, it's 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 going to be a re- relocation. Everybody knows that. I've you know I've already said that. Uh, but uh, yeah, I just wait. I'm I'm waiting for that right opportunity, and I'm, I'm hoping hopefully in these next couple of weeks that things start start happening, and you know I can do some interviews and and uh, and get that next job. Well, Steve, I give you a lot of credit. I've always been a big fan of yours, as you know. I certainly enjoyed uh, your time when you were with U.S. Soccer, and then our time together with the Colorado Rapids and always keeping in touch as uh, your daughter got older and that type of thing. But more importantly, just, um, you know, the courage to come forward and say, hey, it's not always easy, right? It's not always roses in this business. you got to deal with some tough times, right? Oh, for sure. You know, and, and it, it's, it's it's a hard business because, um, you know, you, you, you put down roots and you think you're good. Um, you've got the support. They say that you got the support, <laughs> and then it just turns around and, it, you know, uh, it's it, one night, it's, you know, everything just just happens, and um, it, it was hard for me. It was hard for me at the beginning because I did it, you know, basically four and a half seasons, but I was hired on uh, a year before that, and so I was doing this thing for five and a half years, and to have it pulled out from me under uh, over, uh, you know, just overnight, it was it was really hard, and I it was hard dealing with it those first few weeks, um, and I still and I still, you know, <laughs> got a little anger there at times, but I, I know I've got to put that. To, you know, put that to rest and, and just keep kind of move on here. I really enjoyed it, Steve. This could be great for coaches at all levels. Thanks for um, being yeah. kind enough to share your story, and I know good things will happen. And if anyone's listening out there looking for a coach, Steve Trichu, a great player, great coach, and certainly can do a great job wherever he lands. Steve Trichu, always a pleasure. Thanks for being on the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. Great. Thanks, Dean. Thanks for having me again. Steve Trichu, member of the U.S. World Cup team, really good coach, looking for his next opportunity. Nice of him to share his story. Looking for ways to improve your training sessions? Quick Goal has supplied the highest quality soccer goals, seating, field, and training equipment for over 30 years. From backyards to the world's greatest pitches, Quick Goal has products essential for every level of the game. As an official partner to the United Soccer Coaches and technical partner to U.S. Soccer, Quick Goal knows what equipment you need to take your game to the next level. Visit quickgoal.com to satisfy all your equipment needs. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast. As we are down the stretch, just three or four more members of last year's 30 Under 30 class to meet. They already announced next year's class, which we'll start hearing from after the convention in Baltimore. And one of those is Amy Dyer. She's actually the head coach for the boys' high school soccer team at West Claremont. And we'll find out where that is as Amy Dyer joins us now. Amy, thanks for being with us. Yeah, no problem. All right, so tell us where West Claremont High School is. It is about 30 minutes east of Cincinnati, Ohio, so it's okay, kind of out in the country. Well, and you went to college in Kentucky, which isn't too far, right? So you played collegially at Asbury. Remind us what division that is. Um, they're NAIA Division One. Talk about your time at Asbury. How much did you enjoy playing NAIA soccer? I really enjoyed it. I went... Um, to college for to pursue a biology degree, which I didn't end up pursuing after all, but that's what I had gone for. So it was really nice playing 
college soccer there and being able to do what I love while also getting, you know, my academic degree. Being able to play, I enjoyed it. Yeah, just the whole atmosphere of playing in college and with your friends and all of that. Talk about uh, your degree and when you knew you wanted to be a coach, Amy. Yeah, I actually started out as, like I said, a biology major, and I did that for a year and a half. And then I realized that my passion was actually in sports and in soccer and you know, I really wanted to pursue more of that. So I actually switched to education and got my degree in health and physical education. Um, and actually since then have gone on to get my master's in health and human performance. And you know, I started pursuing um, coaching while in college. I started coaching club soccer and playing soccer and really taking over that side of my life. And ever since then, I haven't stopped. And so how did you end up at West Claremont? And then talk about the decision to coach the boys team because I think that's awesome particularly in this era where we're talking about equal pay and all of those issues and one way to be equal is to not care about gender just get the best coach out there and you know even coach like you're doing coach the boys team I love it I actually was coaching at a, um, a private school a smaller private school and uh, within my teaching I actually switched to a brand new high school uh, West Claremont High School it had 20, it has 2,600 students in it, so it's a huge high school. They merged two schools together, and I actually came in coaching on the girls' side, and after a year, the boys' position opened up, and I was kind of like, well, why can't I do that? I wanted to be a head varsity coach, and I saw my opportunity, and I actually love it. I can't imagine you know, coaching anywhere else. It's different than the girls' side, but it's been great. I mean, they've been so accepting, and, you know, I think – once, you know, you kind of have to get them to buy in and stuff. But I think once they get to know you and they trust you and they, you know, you actually know what you're talking about, then they start buying in. And it's actually been a great experience, and I absolutely love coaching the boys. I think it's a fantastic story. How about the re- getting the respect from the opposing coaches, which I imagine 99% of them are men, or maybe there's some other cases where there's also women. I hope you'll tell me that, but uh, I'm thinking maybe not. How has that been? Well, I actually haven't came across any female coaches yet at our level. Um, I coach at the D1 high school level, and it's actually one of the hardest leagues in Cincinnati. The other male coaches in our league have actually been awesome. I mean, many of our, you know, the teams within our league the first game we played them, they're like, welcome, you know, we're excited to have you. If you need anything, reach out to us, you know. And so they've been very accepting and welcoming. And I think program struggled a little bit uh, when I had taken it over, and now we're competing and we're, we're you know, earning our spot. And, they, you know, seeing the changes, and that earns a lot of respect as well, I think. So we talked to a lot of men who are coaching women who say, yeah, for them, it was about the fact that uh, when you coach women, everybody's bought in for one goal. There's no egos, whereas with boys, sometimes egos get involved. They don't necessarily care if they hurt the feelings of the guy next to them. They just kind of charge on. I like your energy and enthusiasm behind all the merits of actually coaching boys. How do you kind of debunk some of those, I guess we'll call them myths or stereotypes of, of coaching women over men? and in your case, coaching men over women. Yeah, and I guess, you know, kind of what you said, the way I have kind of always viewed it is, you know, the the men bring their aspect of their game into the women's game, and they enjoy, you know, coaching the women's game for those reasons. But 
you know, as a woman, it's like, why can't I take a portion of the women's game and bring it into the men's game? You know, why can't I bring in those aspects into the program? And so I look at it as I have something different to bring to the table than, you know, some of the male coaches who have played on the male side and all that. I'm used to the women's side. So bringing in some of that, I feel like, really helps. But, I mean, yeah, there are a lot of egos and stuff. But for the most part, I feel like we've kind of tamed those down and stuff. And, you know, we have really become one, and we've really been trying to be a, a united program because I think that's very important. It hasn't been too bad. For other young women that are listening right now, and they've certainly been enjoying these 30 Under 30 members, particularly intrigued by you and what you're doing there, and maybe they were thinking about coaching boys, but they're a little scared. What's your message to young women that maybe want to coach boys at the high school level or college level or even youth level? I say to do it. Um, you can do anything you want to do. I mean, you just have to understand going into it that it's not – it might not be normal to everybody, but as long as that's what you want to do, you just have to understand that sometimes there might be difficulties. There might be people who don't agree with you, but you have to just remember why you're doing it and why you want to do it and just keep doing it. Since I've taken this position, the amount of women I've talked to that were like, oh, I would love to coach men. I just didn't think I'd be able to do it and stuff. Well, you don't know unless you try, so might as well try. Yeah, well said. And what made you want to try to be a member of this 30 under 30 class? What was the big push for that? I've actually been trying for several years. I I really like, you know, the message and where uh, United Soccer Coaches stands on things, and um, I like being a part of the program, or I like being a part of the organization and everything. And so I've been trying because I was like, that would be great. I want to be – I really, my, I was really impressed by the mentorship, and I was like, because I'm always wanting to grow as a coach and a person, so I'm like, any type of mentorship or learning or anything that can help me grow as a coach, I want to be a part of. So that's kind of where it came yeah, from. Yeah, I love it. So who is, is your mentor with United Tiger Coaches 30 Under 30, Amy, and who are some other mentors that have helped you along the way? Yeah, Stefan King is my mentor right now, and he's been awesome. I got to meet him in Chicago last year at the convention, and so he's been absolutely great. Any questions I've had or anything, and he's actually given me some, like, assignments and stuff just to help me grow as a coach, which has been very helpful, especially in, like, evaluating players and why I choose the playing style I choose. And so he's been absolutely phenomenal. But just along the way, I think, you know, other coaches that I've, I've worked with, um, my high school coaches. I actually had a rough – we had some rough coaches in high school, um, but we had two coaches that took over that did a great job and really um, helped pursue that passion um, within soccer again. Um, and then throughout college, my college coach was great, and he actually uh, does a lot of work with United Soccer Coaches now. So he still is a, a mentor for me. Different coaches, uh, I coach club soccer as well, so my director's there, and just people that have really supported me along the way with anything I've needed. Amy Dyer, what a great story. The head high school boys soccer coach just outside of Cincinnati and a member of our 30 Under 30 program. Amy, thanks for spending time with us. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Team Snap's awesome. I have five teams on Team Snap. There are no questions asked by the players, the parents. Very easy to use. Very, very, very easy. 
simple to use. Everyone, you know, everything's right there. Messages, availability, boom, boom, boom. I've looked at other at other things, and I think Team Snap sets the bar for this type of team management software. It's the best that I found. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast, presented by Team Snap. We get to spend some more time as we're almost complete with the class of last year's 30 under 30 class remarkable 15 young women and young men and we're now pleased we're going to go a little cajun on you going down to louisiana deb longlinae did i say that right yeah absolutely good job all right she is from lafayette louisiana she is the high school coach for the south side high school in youngsville and she also works for the Cajun Soccer Club in Lafayette. Deb, thanks for being with us. Uh, thanks for the opportunity. I appreciate it. All right, Deb, we've got to have a little fun at first. So, Deb, if you had maybe just a half a penny for every time somebody messed your name up, a lot of money, right? Oh, absolutely. I, I wouldn't have to uh, have a full-time job. <laughs> <laughs> we probably wouldn't be talking right, right now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that is, uh, what, what, uh, ethnicity is that, Long Lene? Uh, I guess, yeah, Cajun French. All right, very good. All right, well, tell us a little bit about your stuff, Deb. You've been in Louisiana your whole life? Uh, I was actually military, so I moved around quite a bit, but, uh, Louisiana stole my heart, so that's where I stayed. Um, I went to college here for a little bit at Centenary College in Shreveport, then transferred to school in Oklahoma. Decided the food was way better down here, so I came back. Food is great in Louisiana. I've been there a few times for some big football games, so I agree with that for sure. All right, so cool. Did you, um, when you went to uh, St. Mary's, did you play soccer there? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I was a goalkeeper. And did you play other sports growing up or just soccer? Soccer was my love. Okay, soccer all the way. All right, how about uh, your family? Big family, little family? A big extended family. I'm married into a Cajun family, so uh, that puts big on a whole nother level. All right, excellent. Cool. How long ago did you get married? Uh, it's actually my anniversary Monday. Oh, congratulations. How many years? Two. Okay, well, let me hear about uh, the high school program. You said it's a brand-new high school. Talk about coaching at a brand-new high school. That's kind of exciting. It is super exciting. Um, I was incredibly uh, appreciative of the opportunity to not only um, coach there but teach there. It's an incredible academic school. But the opportunity to start a new program has been amazing. It's kind of fun to expose people for the first time to high school. Um, a lot of my players have played club, but high school is just different in terms of, you know, pride for your program and representing something bigger than yourself. Getting to establish a culture has been phenomenal, and my players and parents have been super receptive and just really easy to work with. Um, but across all of our sports on campus, it's been really exciting to, to be able to say we were the first or the first goal or the first varsity game and all that kind of stuff. It's been incredible. How is the season going? We actually just started a week ago. You know, we do things a little, a little different in Louisiana. So the winter, we actually play over the winter. And uh, we'll play, we started last week. We'll start our first games in mid-November, and then we finish up in February. All right, good, because the weather's obviously warmer there. So that, uh, how long has that been going on? They always done that? It's, it's always been like that. So even when you were playing, which wasn't that long ago, you're playing in the wintertime. Yeah, I appreciate you saying it wasn't that long ago, but you're right. Yeah, we played over the winter. and. Warm is a loose interpretation. It's usually just warm enough to rain, so it doesn't freeze, but it's about as cold as possible with that still happening. And I do like, uh, we've had a lot of kind of debates on this program, the high school 
versus the, you know, DA and that kind of thing. So I like that you're actually doing both, perhaps not DA, but the fact that you're coaching high school and club kind of shows you, and, and you just made some good points on the values of high school soccer, but I, I'm guessing because you do that, it's your belief that players should be able to do both, right? I do agree with that. And, and I think it's a little easier down here because we don't have a DA in our state. There is a pretty big club emphasis, but the reality is that not every every soccer player is going to go on to play college or go on to the elite level, and we can still use soccer as a tool to grow life skills, and I'm I'm pretty passionate about that aspect of it. Talk about uh, when you said, because you said it's been soccer your whole life, like was that at age four, five, six? When, when did you know that uh, soccer was your whole life, Deb? My dad played, and he kind of infected me with it. Um, and I don't know if I just got a lot of love and attention because I was halfway decent at it, but uh, as long as I can remember, soccer's been my thing. What was your strength as a goalkeeper? What was one thing that you needed to work on? I wasn't super tall, but that was unfortunately out of my control. Um, so I tried as, as much as I could to be quick. Um, I, was, I was a better shot stopper than anything else, um, decent on breakaways. I just had to work extra, extra hard at those aerial balls. And you've been pretty clear that soccer uh, made an impact on you early. When did coaching make an impact on you? When did you know you wanted to be a coach, Deb? I think probably halfway through high school when I started to understand the impact that my coaches had on me and my development. Um, and I thought that was pretty special, getting to impact uh, a group of people like that. Um, I'm also a teacher, so that, that kind of seed was sown both with, with coaches and teachers. Um, and, and it's kind of addicting getting to – I interact with around 200 kids a day. Uh, and I don't get all of them, but if I if I get a healthy handful, that's a pretty powerful feeling to know um, that you, you've had an impact or an influence on a couple of kids. Well, I really appreciate that answer. You know, as the father of two boys that were pretty active in, in sports, coaches can take you the right way, and then there's a couple of coaches that can take you the wrong way, as you know, because there's a lot of power in being a coach, right? Uh, mm-hmm. You know, you can wake up one day and and be a coach that says, "Wait, I don't like kids wearing hoodies," and 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 you know what I mean? And right. You play, yeah. So just talk about how you value that role because, as you know, Deb, coaches can go the the wrong way sometimes with that power. Mm-hmm. Well, I think um, I've mentioned myself being a teacher several times. That, that has a huge impact on my coaching, and then coaching has an impact on my teaching. And I've, you know, I've learned after the thousands, thousands of kids that I've come from, one, that whenever there's bad behavior, it usually has nothing to do with you. Um, there's usually some other function of that behavior. So just being a little bit more patient and understanding with that kind of thing. And then being as, as efficient and effective as possible in terms of what am I doing and what am I saying and what, uh, what is my outcome? Like what is my end game? Is banning hoodies going to really, um, teach a, a real life lesson, you know, like when they when they're an adult and they go to work, are they going to get their hoodies banned? That kind of thing. So I try to focus on like kind of a standard of behavior, a core values for behavior uh, that that have a long lasting impact when it comes to that kind of thing. So I try to be as consistent as possible with things that matter. Wow, I I'm really enjoying this, Deb. Long relay, <laughs> thirty under thirty. Yeah, I mean, I do appreciate that because I think. You know, first of all, I think as teachers, you guys don't make enough money because the good ones like you that have that kind of attitude, that's pretty special and you're impacting young minds. I mean, I guess in the simplest form, you're 
take that role serious. I mean, you know that you can impact young minds both on the field and off, right? Oh, it's absolutely. It's a it's a blessing and a curse because you know, one, you get you get the power of that impact, but two, you also have the power of that impact. So if you if you mess up, there could be some consequences. Well said. Well, so clearly both sides of that aisle, right, coaching and education, are what make you tick. Absolutely. It's, it's what makes the world go round for me. Well, and knowing the value of education, I guess uh, it was an easy choice for you to try to be a part of this 30 under 30 class Thursday. A hundred percent. If I could be a professional student, I would. I love learning new things and hearing from other people and this makes you better. Okay, so what, uh, with that, uh, what do you teach? U.S. history and psychology. Oh, wow, I can tell. You're, <laughs> sharp, you're a sharp young woman, Dad. What, uh, just kind of like coaching, U.S. history and psychology, what in the world, how did you get into both of those things? Mostly I was interested in it. Um, I've dabbled in, in some other subjects. Uh, U.S. history is a fun challenge. I just had a student ask me yesterday, what, what's the point of all this? Um, and I, that harkens back to kind of what would I do as a coach? You know, why are we doing this uh, this activity or why are we doing this drill? And um, being able to always explain the why behind everything. Uh, and then psychology is just a lot of fun. Um, I, I usually judge the impact of the class by how bewildered the kids walk out, um, just kind of introducing them to new perspectives and ways of thinking about things. And um, that that was it's almost effortless to teach that class. I like your approach to life, too. So knowing that, uh, let's go a little deeper here with Deb Longlinay, and let's start with, as a player, what was your greatest moment as a player that you remember, Deb, at any level as a goalkeeper? Um, honestly, it wasn't really a moment, but I, I really loved competing in practice and just trying to make my teammates better. And, and every time a, t- a teammate got frustrated and they're like, I'm coming for you, I'm like, all right, look, come on, let's go. Um, and just realizing that I'm raising the level um, of, of the players around me through whatever whatever activity, that's probably what I'm most proud of when I look back at my career is just bringing that constant edge in, in competition. So far, whether in club or high school, what's been your greatest memory so far as a coach, Deb? Once again, it's not a single one. Watching my kids graduate, um, I just watched one of my former players play uh, in a JUCO playoff game. Um, and, and getting when I, Once I'm hands-off, getting to watch – uh, and see the players that I've I've had the pleasure of being a part of their lives, watching them move on and, and grow up is, is my favorite part. Same sort of question, maybe there's the same sort of answer, your favorite moment so far in your life as a teacher. Yeah, it's probably that graduation. The kid that, that uh, graduation was a really, really hard task, um, and they were able to accomplish it, um, or just watching them move on uh, to go and do other things based off of those skills that they learned and developed through sport uh, or through education. Knowing how much I think uh, you love Lafayette, Louisiana, and as you said, you're a Louisiana girl, what was that like being in Oklahoma for those few years? Uh, it was rough, um, food-wise. I had to bring my own seasoning. Uh, the weather was a little colder, um, but the people were nice, so that was, that was good enough. Food-wise, that is awesome. So you're a pretty good cook. You got that Cajun cooking Sort of gene? Uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't make that claim. Um, but I have enough people around me who do cook uh, that that I don't. I don't go hungry. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I love that for sure. Because at the end of the day, like down in Louisiana, like the cooking is incredible, right? Whether it's good for you or not, it's pretty incredible, right? 
Exactly. So you're rolling along. You like what you do with this brand new high school. I can only imagine that it's pretty special. Probably even nice, nice soccer field. They usually try to get that right, uh, at least, at least starting out and you're spending time with the Cajun soccer club and you clearly expressed uh, a lot of passion for Lafayette. Where do you see yourself in 10 to 15 years, Deb long Uh I'm actually um, hoping to uh, pursue more education in education, and then obviously in soccer. Thankfully, through 30 Under 30, I was able to um, take my premier course this summer, and I've just got to finish up some testing, so that's pending. Uh, but just really growing the game in my community, hopefully making it uh, bigger in Louisiana. Um, I, won't, I won't try to make it as big as LSU football, but maybe we can get close. What else do you like to do, Deb? Whew, I love my family, um, and, and that's pretty much all I got time for, soccer, school, and family. Yeah, that's pretty much it. I'll, I'll watch the women's national team, obviously, uh, tons of role models there, but it, it's pretty much those three categories. Okay, so last couple of things here, Deb, particularly since uh, you are the – the master of the short answer, and you're making me really earn my money here today, Deb. I appreciate that. <laughs> if you were able to take uh, three soccer people to dinner, three that aren't with us or three that are with us, who would be those three? Ooh, probably Jill Ellis, Tony DeChico, and Julie Fowdy. Wow, that's a great answer. Man, Deb. <laughs> yes, they wait. When you're as smart as you, you don't need long answers, right? It's just <laughs> what it is, right? Sure. So, yeah. I mean, Deb, have fun with me because have you always been, like, right to the point, been able to answer stuff? And, and uh, you know, they they always do say less is more, right? In fact, as a broadcaster, I appreciate you because yeah. sometimes, you know, me and my partners will just babble on. So is that how you've always been? I mean, I guess I do try to do, get straight to the point and, you know, things that matter, right? Okay. So, all right, let me go this way with you, Deb, since I'm clearly enjoying the fact that uh, you're making me really stretch here. So this is awesome, Deb. I like it. So it's uh, you got a big game, right, with your high school team. You're playing a mm-hmm. team that you probably should be beating, but it's one of those days where the young ladies just aren't quite with it and you're down maybe 2 nothing, 2-1 at halftime. Walk me through how Deb handles a game where you know you're better, they know you're better, right, but you're losing at the moment. Uh, I think the key is, is kind of to get feedback from the players. Do, do they realize that we should be beating this team? It's interesting with this new program because, for the most part, we don't really know where we stack up quite yet. Um, and kind of going from there, if they get it, I don't need to belabor the point that, that they're getting shown up by uh, a lesser team. And I think I just focus on uh, the tactical piece. Um, trying to simplify it as much as possible. I try to try to have three key points and just leave it there. Um, we don't need to have a, a whole litany of, of information thrown at them when they already emotionally know where they're at. Now, if they don't get it, that's where I might, you know, change the tone a little bit um, and maybe open their eyes in terms of where we should be uh, and where we currently are at. Uh, but I would I would assume for the most part, especially when I work with young females, they usually get it. They usually already know. They don't need you to scream at them or yell at them or, or point out the obvious. So it's more about uh, finding solutions at that point. Deeper with this coaching thing, and perhaps this is more on the men's side, but they often say that different players need to be coached different ways. One needs the arm around them the entire time. One needs a little bit more Kind of a, for lack of a better word, aggressive push. One means, one needs more one-on-one kind of just tactical and philosophical breakdown, which is interesting with 
one of your degrees there as well. Do you mm-hmm. approach it that way with uh, the different mentalities of the players, or do you feel like you can just talk the same way to all of them? Uh, sure. In education, we call that differentiation, and, and we're legally required to do that. So it kind of comes naturally. Um, I, it's way easier on the soccer field than it is in the classroom, uh, but that, that idea of, of different different ways to motivate different players is is 100% accurate. I know I've, I responded really well to aggression or to people. Uh, I wanted to prove them wrong in 2019. There's fewer kids like that, um, but it's still um, something you need to assess early on what your what your player style is, and, and you're right, what it is that motivates them. Um, and as much as possible, trying to differentiate it for each player, at least if you want to be successful. All right. Well, you're obviously being successful. A lot of times it helps to have some good mentors. Who have been some key mentors uh, in your young life, Deb? I've had some pretty good mentors. Uh, we've had in the women's game um, a, a ton of soccer celebrities that we've been able to look up to. But it's been really helpful to have some real-life uh, mentors, and, and most of them are female because this is a, is a pretty low female population um, uh, endeavor in terms of coaching. I had a local coach here. Her name's Katie Bro. She's at a rival high school. It's always fun to coach against her. Who kind of she brought me on as an assistant early on, and I learned a ton from her. Um, and then actually the principal at my school, um, she was my uh, PE coach, Miss Catherine Cassidy, and she was also a young female coach that uh, that showed me that it was a thing that we could do, it was a possible career path, um, and that I could be could be amazing at it. She's an incredible leader. I've learned a lot. I'm assuming that you were in Chicago as we met all the 30 under 30 members. Uh, if you were, and I think you were, what was the best part of that experience for last year's convention? Man, just having to pick my jaw up off the floor, getting to see all the the soccer studs and celebrities and uh, uh, watching you interview people. I ran out. Anthony Dorrance sat approximately 12 inches in front of me at one of the sessions, getting to see all the latest theory and um, practice. The uh, expo was pretty amazing. The whole thing was just phenomenal. I like your approach, Deb. I just asked you more questions than I asked the previous 29 members of the 30 Under 30. As you kept me on my toes, Deb, I appreciate that. (laughs) That means you get paid double, right? (laughs) (laughs) I like that approach, too. Uh, you know, Deb, in all honesty, I like your approach to knowing the role that you have as a coach and an educator, and I appreciate you understanding that power and appreciate it, and just your general approach, even with that story about, uh, you know, my son wearing a hoodie one day and the coach losing his mind um, and how you would have handled that. I wish you were there for that. <laughs> sure. Um, you take that seriously, don't you? Uh, absolutely. It's, it's, I believe firmly that's why I was put on this earth. Yeah, and I hope to uh, meet you. If you do make it to another convention, please let me know, okay, because I'd like to, uh, you know, be able to shake your hand because I certainly appreciate your approach. This has been a pleasure. I certainly enjoyed this interview, Deb. It's been a lot of fun. I appreciate it, Dan. I appreciate 30 Under 30 for giving me the opportunity. We thank Deb and Miss Dyer from our 30 Under 30 program. Michael Noonan, the head coach of the Clemson men's soccer team, number two in the country. Jennifer Klein, the head coach of the Michigan women. They'll be on the Big Ten Network on Friday. Check us out over there. And also Steve Trichu, former Olympic team member, former member of the U.S. World Cup team in 1990, a good coach who deserves 
another chance. Steve Trichu is available. This is the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Team Snap. I want to thank Michael Knipper, Sean Shuffle, and all the great folks at United Soccer Coaches. For each and every one of you, I'm Dean Lincoln.